Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com. We are professional grade. This is how it's always been I'm on the outside looking in Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week we have a very, very... Special episode. <laughs> so yeah, it's like it's after Christmas, yeah. before New Year's, we're all chilling out, full of turkey. Yeah. Pop we- open a can of Pringles. Yeah, get that selection box out. Let's do this thing. And enjoy. <laughs> because this week we are talking about <laughs> the Fowlers <laughs> of Sweet, Sweet Valley. Valley. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> it is one of the best ever, and it's even better than I remembered it, it's, just so you know. It's quite the saga. So it doesn't have a cover line. No. It does have a back line. Oh, it does. Which is, very straightforwardly, the women who came before Lila Fowler. <gasps> so you know it's good. I'm so excited. <laughs> and this is the blurb, which is amazing. It is. It's quite long. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful 16-year-old Lily de Beauton <laughs> is rescued from the guillotine during the French Revolution oh, of she is. by a dashing young man, but he disappears before she can even thank him. Mon Dieu! Will Lily ever see him again? <gasps> no. Yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> While working as a maid in the Marquis de Bocage's chateau, Celeste Chardin unexpectedly wins the love of the Marquis's son, Marc. <laughs> Will Marc give up his family riches to be with her? Oui. <laughs> Wild and reckless Rose de Bocage grew up with Pierre Oiselure oh, in, in the turbulent 1890s. But when Pierre declares his everlasting love for Rose, she tells him she'll never settle down. <gasps> Will she regret that decision forever? Eh, it <laughs> Isabel Eastman thought her true love, Jacques Oiselure, oh. had been killed in World War One, but he miraculously survived. <gasps> Jacques returns to Isabel only to learn she has married his best friend. In 1968, George Fowler falls in love with Grace Dorrit, the daughter of his parents' arch enemies. Against all odds, he must transform into the man of her dreams. Discover the sweeping romantic history of the men and women who made Lila Fowler who she is today. A fucked up, flat-faced monster. (laughs) Our favourite. Yay! (laughs) And it's a book worthy of her. It's so... is amazing. amazing. <gasps> and if I was a kid, I would have genuinely, unironically loved it. Oh, big time. Because it's incredibly oh, interesting. All in. Yeah. So can we describe the cover, which is a fold out affair? Oh my God, it's so good. It's amazing. So yeah, it's it's like the, the, the Wakefield yeah. saga and that you've kind of got the cover with these a row faces. Of heads a row right. of heads down <laughs> along the side and then the kind of flap opens out. So as you're looking at it, it's like, yeah, the row of heads and there's kind of like a purple silk kind of background. Yeah, with a flower. There's a flower. It's like a, is it a lily? <gasps> a lily? It must be a lily. Just don't worry. Yeah. Lily 
But it looks like a banana. I thought it was a banana peel. When I saw yes, it, it does look um, quite banana. So the row of heads. Then we've got. I presume it's Lily at the top. Yeah, she's a she's a fancy French lady. Then I think it's Rose. With yeah, the red she's got hair, red hair. The red hair. Then I don't know who this is. Is it one of the lads? I think it's meant to be Jacques, but it looks uh, like a beautiful lesbian dressed like a soldier. It does. With a very sort of slicked back kind of yeah, like cool it looks look. like a woman in drag. Like, yeah, she looks she's amazing. pulling it off. Yeah, and I was really excited because I thought that maybe there'd be a girl who'd sneak off to war dressed as a man, do yeah. a whole like Doctor Barry thing. Yes, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> I was Not mistaken. I think it is just Jack. So I think it is Jack, but he's got a very feminine face. Yeah. And um, also looks like all her other yeah looks like a bit dodge. It's kind of yeah. weird. And at the end, then is Lila looking amazing yes. in a a purple polo neck, a, a classic with look a, with a pearl kind of oh necklace. It's classic she's, just, she's classic. She's she's amazing. But Inside, yeah, you, you, oh my god, you open it out and it's it a smorgasbord. Oh, of, there really <laughs> is drama. So, so yeah, drama. we've got we've got Lily in her like raggedy clothes. She looks like she's. Well, she's about to be carried off to the guillotine. Yeah, suppose, she's on the she? scaffold. There's some angry peasants shaking their fists at her. Yep. Um, then there's, oh yeah, who's here? That's Celeste, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and Mark Celeste and his and weird sort of 80s hair. <laughs> yeah. They, they both have 80s hair. hair. They all have really 80s yeah, hair. Yeah, they're out in the moonlight outside this big fancy house. She's in a maid uniform. That's right, yeah. And then up in the corner, I'm guessing that's, um, oh, what's her face? Uh, Isabel? Being surprised oh, by Jacques returning it is, the war. yeah. And she also like... has big 80s hair. <laughs> yeah, he's in a uniform. He's in the yeah. uniform, so that must be him. We've got a few spoilers happening here. And then the bottom left, the, the <laughs> blessed image. <gasps> oh. <laughs> it's George and Grace holding baby Lila. Oh. And they all have massive 80s hair. Oh, they totally do. Obviously. Yeah. No, actually, we find out Lila was born in, I think it's 1973. Oh, yeah. Or 71. Well, I can't remember. Yeah, I suppose because they're teens. It's early 70s, yeah. So yeah, that would make sense. So they actually get quite specific about mm, it. Um, We're nailing down some timelines here. Yeah. So it commences <coughs> to paraphrase Hamilton in 17, <laughs> se, se, 1789. <laughs> and it's Lily de Beauton. Lily! <laughs> and her maid, Marie. And Lily's a, she's a party, carefree party girl. She is. She's, uh, she's being all trussed up in a corset because she's she's going to her first ball. Yes. And we know she's French because she says things like, bien sûr, <laughs> when asked things. But like that's about as <laughs> that's, linguistically complicated as That's as, as much French as she actually says. Oh, and she says, maman, yeah. <laughs> when she's talking about her mother. <laughs> oh la la. So we learn she's the only daughter of an aristocratic family who mm. own the strangely named, considering it's in the Loire Valley, Winterthorn. Winter it's the most un-French name. Because <laughs> everybody else has French names and the houses yeah. are French names. Yeah, it's and weird. Like Winterthorn? Winterthorn, no. So at the ball, she meets Maxime Saint-Germain and they, they flirt. Mm. And after the party, still basically high on life, she dances out into the garden where she meets her childhood pal, Marie's brother, George <gasps> Wazlure. <laughs> what could Wazlure be anglicised into? Could it be foul <laughs> <laughs> so she she tells about the party where they were like drinking champagne out of solid gold goblets it's very typical Fowler flashy taste it is yeah and she's just like oh there was so much food it was amazing and yeah. he's just kind of like this is some bullshit and he <laughs> utters what are essentially the first left wing words ever Ooh. uttered in a Sweet Valley book yeah because he okay. talks about how um you know, how it's not right that some people should have so much while others go cold and hungry yeah. and each and every man possesses these rights equally and talks about basically the third estate, the bourgeoisie are talking about, you know, 
um, uh, combating the monarchy. And yeah. he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> she's like, they're rumbling the revolution. And um, she's like, yeah, this is all foolish nonsense. And she she thinks of him, but then she shrugs 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 off her her slightly romantic thoughts because she is a noble woman. Yeah, he's just a commoner. Maybe he does have like brawny arms and a handsome jaw and all that, but you know, whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> she, she doesn't, doesn't think about him at all. It's totally fine. <laughs> so shortly afterwards, she's she's out strolling with old Maxime Saint-Germain. Mm. And, oh no, she's not strolling. She's, uh, she's on horse horseback. Riding. Yeah, but yeah. she's had a couple of guys, like there's all these lads mad after her basically because yes. she'd be a good match for marriage. Yes, and of course yes. she's radiantly beautiful. Of course. And while she's on horseback, her horse runs away. But oh, no. who should rescue her? But George. And Maxie was not happy. No, he kind of just sits there and watches all this happen and doesn't yeah. help her. Does and then nothing. he gets all pissy with George for like rescuing her. Yes. Yeah. And later she thanks George and she basically has a bit of a crisis because she has to admit that he's like, he's more, you know. He's more of a man. Manly mm. than, than Maxime and she's just like, is more forceful. Yeah. She's more forceful like, oh. views, not forceful in a creepy way. Yeah, no, no. He's actually, he's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, she's kind of starting to realise that, oh, maybe like being a fancy count or marquee actually isn't a mark of a good person. Yeah. So her first, <laughs> Weird. she's sort of got a bit of consciousness raising is going on. Yeah. So the family talk over dinner about America and its revolutionary ways. <gasps> and... Uh, Henri, her Lily's brother, says, "Well, maybe if you know, if we started treating the peasants better, we wouldn't have to worry about any revolutionary things." <laughs> the rest of them are like, "Ha ha ha! No way! <laughs> Ridiculous!" <laughs> so, oh my God, this is all amazing. It's, by the way, this is—I mean, I apologise in advance to any students of French <laughs> history because even I, as somebody with just a casual interest in it, knows how completely insane all this is <laughs> so she she babbled on about Lily babbled on about her social life to Marie that night and Marie sort of is, is being a bit off and finally she goes ah Lily or I don't know Mademoiselle de Beauton um, <laughs> the townsfolk are planning to storm the chateau <laughs> yeah I actually was about down here Marie you fucking snitch <laughs> 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 oh, she's a lackey, a capitalist lapdog, well, a capitalist, yeah. a aristocratic lapdog. <laughs> yeah. So um, Lily dismisses this foolishness. And next day she bumps into George and she's like, oh, oh, oh Lily, Marie was telling me that, you know, all the locals are going to like set the castle on fire. And yeah. she's like, you better take this seriously, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> In so many words, yeah. And she's just like, oh, don't be ridiculous. So she scoffs. But then she and Henri are out in the carriage and they pass some of their the peasants and instead of doffing their caps, the peasants are just like, mm, giving them the cold old glare. Oh my God, they're staring at them rudely. Yes. How dare they? And literally for the first time, she's like, you know, do, do they not love us? <laughs> do they, why don't they like me? Yeah. <laughs> literally, yes. But I'm so pretty and rich. <laughs> oh my God. Well, it turns out they don't love them. No. Nope. Because that very night, everything about this is ridiculous. <laughs> so, just by the way, we're going to say, remind you, it's 1789. Mm-hmm. Not only that, it is before the storming of the Bastille, because that happens like a day later or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that night, the uh, the peasants stormed their castle. Yeah. The sh- and they put the family in the dungeon uh-huh. and then they dragged them out because they have a guillotine yeah. in the middle of a field. In the middle of a field. That's, By the what, way, that's what you do your guillotining. And also, this is like two years before the guillotine was invented. Ooh. So it's just how, the, how these are random They're a very progressive peasants. group of peasants, okay? They're good engineers. They're ahead of their time. Very much so. So basically, the, it doesn't come into common use until like the reign of terror several years into the revolution. Mm. And uh, yet these peasants... Just have one. Yeah, they in were a field. Ahead of the game. They were ready. Yep. So and it and it works, even though it was made by by a 
bunch of farmers. <laughs> bunch of, yeah. <laughs> with no engineering Grumpy experience farmers. as far as we know. Yeah. Maybe they did. Maybe uh, they and they work. execute her brothers in front of her. It's quite dark. Father. It's quite dark for yeah, Sweet Valley, like, because this is essentially a Sweet Valley high book. But, yeah. like, yeah. They, oh, it's very exciting. Like, yeah, her parents and, no, her brothers and, and her dad, dad yeah. are killed in front of her. Their heads like, are literally chopped off in front of her. Yeah, no messing. And she is being brought up to the scaffold mm. and as she sort of climbs up and somebody is like, she's just a girl and yeah. they're like, shut up. <laughs> and who should ride up to save her but a mystery horseman. Ooh, he's all, his features are hidden by a hood. Yes, and he snatches her off the scaffold and rides away with her. Oh my God. And uh, of course it's George. It is. He saved her. Yay. And they, Okay, they ride, this is, George's, I know he saved her life. Yeah. But really, this is pretty bad. So they they go to Paris, ride to Paris, mm. which is pretty far, and they see the storming of the Bastille happening in the distance <laughs> somehow. <laughs> Lily is all like, why? Why would anyone do this? And George is like, well, you know, you shit all over the peasants for <laughs> centuries, then this happens. Weirdly enough, they don't like that. Yes. <laughs> and then he literally dumps her <laughs> at the side of the road. But they... She has nothing. Nothing. <laughs> like literally nothing. Yeah. She's in like her dressing gown and yes. he's just like, all right, see ya. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> he goes up and he says, go to this neighborhood nearby where I know the people to be hardworking and kind. Oh my God. Like, you know, I oh, think the area okay. that I live in, it's, you know, it's a nice community feel. I won't tell everybody, everybody here is fine. Just knock on the door and you'll be yeah. taken in. <laughs> yeah. Also, dumping a woman at the side oh of the road God. in a strange neighborhood in yeah in the middle of the night would be dodgy now. Now you wouldn't do it. <laughs> Let alone fucking 1789. So what? And she's like, what am I going to do? He's like, bet you surprise yourself. It's like, yeah, but I'm becoming a courtesan if you're fucking lucky. Oh my God, yeah. When I read this, I was like, Jesus, are we really going to go and do the obvious? You know, are going there? <laughs> straight to the obvious thing that <laughs> yeah. would end up happening to somebody who was Penalist on the streets on the road. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, but oh, I'm off, bye. See ya. <laughs> and she's like, oh well, suppose I'm alive. Oh my god. <laughs> and, <laughs> off off we she, go. and off she travels. Yeah. So then we cut to 17. Sir, sir, 1792. <laughs> and she's having the time of her life. She's just strolling around. She's like the most cheerful seamstress ever. Yeah. Like, it does sound like it's quite a hard life. Like, she's living in a garret in, like, mm. the attic of some house. And. Yeah. She can barely feed herself, but she's like, oh, this is great. I'm strolling around. The power <laughs> sunshine. Jealous. Also, like 1792 was when things were really kicking off, okay. in the re- you know, violently yeah, in the revolution. Yeah. I don't know. Well, mm. um, like chop people's heads off every five seconds at that stage. But um, she's so she's living in a in a garage in the Marais. Very expensive now. Yeah. Probably not then if she can afford to live there. But not, yeah. she's working as a as a as a dressmaker, as you say, and she's meeting up with her friend Babette, mm. who's a governess. Yeah, and turns out Babette has a boyfriend. Oh, but Lily has only eyes for one man, or thoughts for one man. Indeed, c'est George. C'est George. But he's she, he never came back to look for her or no, find out if she, she was never, okay. She never saw him since, and she's like. Damn it. Because she only obviously realised too late his true nobility. Yes. But by the way, we are later told, oh, I must go to search. He wanted to search for Lily. He clearly didn't. No, he didn't look very hard. Because it's three years later and he yeah. could have found her because he sent her to one area where yeah. he was like, you'll yeah. be grand. How hard did you really try? Yeah. So it turns out uh, there's an elegant dress shop whose owner lets uh, Lily copy the fashions for yeah, her own customers. sounds unlikely. Very unlikely. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I don't think they even had dress shops there. They just had dress like dressmakers who yeah. would you know, make stuff up yeah, for you. Yeah, the whole kind of shop 
yeah. system wasn't yeah. really a thing. I think there was there was an episode, there's a very good podcast, which I strongly recommend, called Dressed, The History of Fashion. Oh. It's one of the House Stuff Works podcasts, and it's had a really good episode about Marie Antoinette's sort of stylist. Cool. Basically. Um, so, yeah, check that out if you want a more accurate view. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> more accurate like. than this. <laughs> um, so while Lily is there in this uh, anachronistic shop, she meets an old pal. Yes. What's her name? She's like a countess or she was a Madame Fouchette. Fouchette. She was a uh, she was the Comtesse de Fouchette and yes. now she's just a madame. And somehow uh, her husband, they managed to avoid, you know, yeah. put the, the whole guillotine situation yeah. or, you know, any of that. Yeah. And she's doing really well. And uh, she, Lily can't, this is the thing that's also stupid. Lily doesn't tell Madame Fouchette that she has lost all her money. Even though there was literally a revolution, there was no shame it's in having lost all her money. Yeah, for you to be basically destitute half your mates would literally be in prison yeah like uh, this is the the king and queen are you know are are not long for this world your family was killed in front of you yeah the king and queen aren't going to last much longer and most tops are in prison yeah (laughs) so it's grand but anyway she she won't admit it but also I think your woman Fouchette assumes that Lily is still yeah, rich because Lily can make her own dresses so she's got like oh, a nice dress true, on yeah, so you're like, just, just like oh so you're just setting about you're out partying or yeah. you're out uh, shopping Yeah. so she invites uh, she she gets Lily's address and Lily is like oh I hope she doesn't know I'm in the garage but she sends an invitation to a party Ooh. and Lily thinks she has nothing to wear oh no but she does have one way of getting a dress <gasps> that's true it's her dressing gown. Yeah, she had this like emerald silk dressing gown that, well, the one that she was dumped on the side of the road yeah. in. But she, you know, she cleaned it up and yeah. kept it and it's all nice. So she's going to Scarlett O'Hara a nice dress for Exactly. I thought it, it was going to be the curtains and yeah. then it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. it's a dressing gown. <laughs> yeah, because she was wearing it when she was like dragged out of bed mm. by the mob and yeah. she put it on and that was, yeah, she, she somehow managed to get it cleaned. So it's like the last kind of bit of fancy clothes that she has. Yes. But it's enough to, to fashion it into a dress. Of course, because she's a dressmaking genius. Mm-hmm. And so she goes to the party and she's all nervous, but she's like, well, you know, fuck it. If, what have I got to lose? Yeah. Like, the whole time she was there, I was like, fill your pockets with bread yeah. rolls. <laughs> Stuff them into your hair. Yeah. <laughs> Bring them home to Babette. <laughs> have yourself a bread party. <laughs> oh my God. I, wi- I didn't even think of that, but she totally should have. Yeah. And she had capacious skirts. <laughs> yeah. She could fill a lot under there. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, she's the star of the party, possibly because she's not filling her bed with red rolls <laughs> oh fine <laughs> I would have gone over straight to talk to her myself if you stick it your big react to the hair yeah. just shoving a few rolls in there a few croissants yeah so uh, she's <laughs> chatting with all these intellectuals about novels and philosophy and she sees a man who for a minute looks a bit like Georges like George. is it him Menon. not <laughs> say the, the Comte Matthew de Bizac huh. apparently he's the most powerful man in Paris Ooh la la. And she slips off home, whispering his name, which is the sort of thing that people in Sweet Valley High books do, like Todd did That's in the true. last book. Yeah. She's just like, with you to be the hell. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he sends her flowers, and soon she's basically hanging out in his circle, and she's borrowing her client's clothes to keep up appearances. Ooh. Yeah, but she uses up her own savings. And but. Ba- Egg. Oh like, my god, this is so terrible. You bitch, that's not cool. I literally have it all cops. She hires a carriage with Babette savings, <laughs> WTF. <laughs> and clearly it pays off because Matthew proposes. Yeah. And so they, they marry, it's but a, it's a quick courtship. Yeah, very quick. And mm. it's a private ceremony. Mm-hmm. So uh, and you know she's she's got like Lila's jeans because she doesn't even invite Babette, because Babette will disgrace her. 
Oh, yeah. Go for she really, to throw that I one. Oh, yeah. She's not like, you know, a disgraceful person. Yeah. Like, she's a respectable lady, a governess. That's a, yeah. that's a reasonably good standing. Also, did you fucking pay her back if you're yeah. getting married now? Like, also, there's a revolution. Yeah. So at this yeah. stage, like, Poshos were all saying, oh, je suis the citizen. <laughs> I have the citizen de Botop, or whatever her name is. Like, je suis super chill, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I died with the with the with the Jacobins. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, she she where's the jewellery she bought from for from Whitethorn? Why the fuck did she would have sold that the first day? Oh my god, straight to avoid away. Yeah. like uh, you know the other possibilities of earning money. Yes, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. How has she not resorted to sex work yet? I know, like <laughs> you know, it's very unconvincing that somehow she managed to immediately become a seamstress yeah. without having to yeah. sell like because her... there's no inte- you know there's no kind of mention of her having that skill beforehand yes yes like That's making a... dresses isn't something you just pick up like, I want the crossover period that. like what happens after she gets to Paris and then yeah. like finds a way to a montage of her learning how to make dresses <laughs> 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 sewing montage <laughs> so um, she she's madly in love with Matthew yes and then when they're on their honeymoon, he he tells her that he knows the truth about her, but he doesn't mind. And like, why should she? Because she didn't even pretend she was bringing money into the marriage and she's still an aristocrat. So this should... Yeah, like... What's the secret? It's fine. Oh yeah, but they're in Italy, aren't they, for their... Yeah, the they're going to around Italy. Europe. Yeah. yeah, and she's just like, let's not go back because, mm. you know, fuck that. <laughs> then they do go back to Paris and they stay in a hotel, but he keeps having to like... She's like, why can't we go to your house? And he's like, oh, I'll just be all having to do business all the time. Yeah, he's like, oh, no, I want somewhere new for us. And yeah. yeah. Uh-oh. Mm, very suspicious. One day she wakes up and he's gone. Motherfucker. And so are the servants. Yeah, everything's gone. Drawers are all empty. All the stuff is gone. He's out of there. Yep. And she's desperate. She goes to Madame Fouchette, who reveals... Why the fuck she couldn't have mentioned this beforehand? Uh, yeah. But they were all flirting oh and going God. around together all the time. So he's already married and he's known for doing this. Yeah, this is a trick he plays on women all the time, apparently. That it's like this fake ceremony. Yeah. And then he tricks them into marrying him so he can ride them and then just disappears. And we are told this is the raciest Sweet Valley book ever. <laughs> they lived together oh my God. as a man and wife. <gasps> Sacre bleu! <laughs> <laughs> Yep, and you know what that means. Oh, She's up Lily. the top. Poor Lily's knocked up. Yep. And Madame Fichette offers to help, but Lily doesn't accept it. Why not? Why not? Oh my She's God. She's like, oh, go in the streets, pregnant. But also, like, why the fuck didn't Fouchette say anything to her? She's like, yeah. oh, I thought you knew. It's like, how was she supposed to know um, it? Oh, she's literally never lived in Paris <laughs> Like, seriously, before. give her a heads up. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's a cold winter. Aww. And there's a reminder that the revolution is still actually it's in ongoing. full swing because yeah. she sees the king go to be executed. Yeah. She's like, oh yeah, that happened. Okay. okay. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't really have bothered thinking about Jesus. what people thought of me not yeah. having money. Because I, I guess we're still well. doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so we find she somehow found somewhere to live I guess she probably sold some more jewels and she lives in a, in a grubby area over mm. a boulangerie yes. mm. Mm. and the baker's kindly wife Marie Chardin oh. comes to help her and yeah. gets her food because yeah, she hasn't really been talking to anyone because mm. she's so ashamed of her situation being yes. unmarried pregnant lady <gasps> but, uh, but yeah Marie is really lovely and mm. she kind of comes up and she's like look Clearly you're in a bit of bother here. Like, here's some bread rolls. Come on with the bread rolls. Yeah. <laughs> so she brings her up food and kind of so hangs bread out rolls with her. Make their appearance you mean, as you well know. they should. Yeah. And Lily, you know, is obviously open with her and it turns out she has lost her snobbishness and she now knows that all are equal. Except she does say something about the <laughs> Marie and her husband. Like, how uh, they're just like, they're roly-poly. <laughs> These plain fat folk. <laughs> <laughs> But they're giving me bread and cheese, so I guess they're okay. Yeah, they're fine. <laughs> um, and then she has the baby, and she 
dies. Oh man, yeah. She just like call. She looks up at the heavens oh, and the celestial <laughs> vision, and and goes call her Celeste. Her name will be Celeste. And then she dies. And she's out. She's dead. That's it. Yep. That's Lily gone. Jenny. So, <laughs> so we cut to eighteen hundred. Uh, I have to stop the Hamiltonian things because yeah, it's nicely eighteenth <laughs> century dates. So it cuts to George. It turns yeah. out he's somehow rich. Yeah, so some revolutionary he turned out to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. He's very bad on those principles. He sold out very quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He went off and got himself an education and became some like big trading hotshot or something. Yeah. Oh, he's a, he's a capitalist pig now. <laughs> yeah. But he somehow managed to preserve, even though the chateau was knocked down, he mm. preserved the Beauton estate, like yeah. the land. So he's been minding the grounds, I guess, and he's bought the estate next to it. Yes. And he has the deed, so he has proof that it belongs to Liddy. Yeah. And he goes on a quest and he manages to sort of track down her records but discovers that uh, she died in childbirth. Aww, yeah. And he vows to find the child. It's quite sad. So it turns, it, it's 1809. Celeste is 16. <gasps> and she's patronising her Ugo adopted family. <laughs> and I would say it's all like, she didn't look like those hideous Chubsters. <laughs> oh, it's so mean. They're like, yeah, they describe her as a swan among more humble fowl. And Fuck it's like, oh, first of all, rude. No. Second of all, very enjoyable fowler no, reference. No. <laughs> I love it. So obviously they're a loving family and yeah. they're really nice, but they're also like, well, 16 now, off, off you, you go. go. <laughs> Pack you off to work, bitch. Gotta go to <laughs> you better work. Yeah, so they found like a station for her in some fancy household. Yes, the Marquis de Bocage. Mm-hmm. And uh, they live at the edge of Paris. And the staff are nice, especially the housekeeper, Madame Lafitte. But the Marquise and her daughter, Emily, are terrible. They're awful. Yeah. They're kind of Lila-ish, really, aren't (gasps) they? They are. You think they'd be related to her? (laughs) Yeah. They seem more likely. Oh, they are. Oh. Yeah. Because of brother. Yeah. Oh, okay. It all ties in. There you go. (laughs) So Lila's got, Emily is like her great, 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 great aunt or something. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. So it turns out the Marquis is friends with George. (gasps) Oh, my God. Mm. And he's visiting and he notices Celeste and he really reminds, uh, she really reminds him of Lily. Ooh. And just when you're getting worried, which I was, oh it's clear God. like he doesn't fancy her. I, yeah, I, what did I write down? It was something like, uh, please don't go all Yates creepy. <laughs> like with Maud Gon's daughter. Because <laughs> <laughs> I really thought I that's where we were going. I and know. I was like, let's not do that. <laughs> I was exactly the same. It was like, oh. But, uh, oh god! But yeah, because her name is like Celeste Chardon, and they kind of mentioned her family. He's like, oh well, you oh, know, okay. obviously yeah. this is because he even knew what Lily's fake married name was. That's right. So yeah, he, yeah. yeah. So there's no reason for him to, to, to think. think. Yeah. Um, and it turned with we we learned that George actually tracked down De Bizac and fought a duel with I him. Know, but they just kind of tell us that in passing, and it's like, what the fuck? Why do we get to see that? Does he slap him with a glove? Yeah. Tell me. Where does it, <laughs> yes, we need a duel scene. Oh, yeah. so let, feel very let down. Yeah. Um. So it turned, later on, he gets chatting to. Celeste and he feels he feels a fatherly interest and genuinely is fatherly because she he keeps saying oh it means Lily had had a child oh this could have yeah like he's, he's be, yeah it's nice he takes an interest in her but he also kind of sees how like like all this like education and wealth is kind of wasted on a little bitch like Emily yeah <laughs> but whereas Celeste is this actually lovely girl who you know yeah. would really appreciate stuff like that but she can't so. even read but she can't read and yeah. then 
my favourite bit in the entire one of my favourite bits in this entire book happens because it's so clearly taken from A Little Princess by Francis Hodgson Burnett. Oh my god. Because Celeste goes up to bed and there's a lovely soft I think eider down in her bed and there's pastries and there's a book and even though she can't read it she likes yes she likes looking at it. Yeah. And basically there's a bit in A Little Princess by Francis Francis Hodgson Burnett where you know the heroine who like used to be Richard is now slave away in a garret and she has a benefactor next door and even Ooh. though she's in this horrible cold garret there's this stage where every time she comes in something amazing has been done to oh. it. So it's like it's got a quilt and then it's got a carpet Yay. and then there's rugs and then there's cakes and then she comes <laughs> in and has this like cosy you know secret lair that wow. everyone thinks is horrible cool. off the top of the place. And this is so clearly ripped off. That's totally it. that. I love it. <laughs> yeah. um, so she asks like Madame the Feet like who's doing this? Who's doing this? Madame yeah. the Feet's like oh I don't know. Twinkle, twinkle. <laughs> yeah because at first she's like is it her? And then she's like no this doesn't seem yeah. right. Um, and stuff just keeps on arriving yeah. regularly kind of like a little princess. And Emily comes in one day the evil daughter and Ooh. sees it and is, accuses her of stealing. Yeah. And little bitch. Yeah. And Celeste is defiant because apparently the sensible lesson is having nice stuff gives you confidence. That's brilliant. Yep. <laughs> All you need is some nice throw pillows. Yeah. <laughs> and they will fix your life. <laughs> so Emily is being rude to her governess, Solange Grande. Ooh. And George is uh, kind of like uh, pally with Solange and asks her, says you pay her, to teach the more deserving Celeste. Yeah. And it works. It does, yeah. And like Celeste is really appreciative, but also like, what's happening? Yeah. But also, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And George notices sort of from a distance that Celeste is blooming and oh. he's also happy to spend some time with Solange. So one day Celeste is in the garden. She has a lot of free time for a servant in the <laughs> early 19th century house. <laughs> She's in the, hanging out in the garden. Reading Gulliver's Travels. Yes, Jonathan Swift. Get in there. Yeah, the, the little Irishness. <laughs> um, and who should she meet? Handsome man. Yes. They chat. Yeah, they talk about books and mm. she's like, oh, he's great. And they bond. Mm. That evening when she's serving a table, she comes in and sees the handsome young man and he's the son of the house. Oh my God. He's Mark. Oh no. The bookage. She drops the tray she's holding and it's all like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we we cut to Mark's point of view. We know he's decent. Um, yes. Because he feels really bad that, like, because he didn't know she was a servant. Yeah. And he feels really bad that she got into trouble because of seeing him. And when they meet, he apologises. But then Emily sees them talking together. Ooh. And it's just like, she sort of goes from zero to 180 very quickly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you'll never be the mistress of this house. Oh my God. Like, all right, you're going to skip in a few steps there. But all right, yeah. <laughs> take it easy. So Celeste is, uh, is tormented because obviously there's a spark between them. But she knows their love cannot be. It can't go anywhere. And Mark thinks, is thinking, is, well, this, he's, you mean Mark is fine, but he yeah. finds out this is more of the sexy stuff. It's like he knew that every, you know, there'd be some who would exercise, they all drop the senor, oh. force themselves <laughs> on her. Fucking hell. <laughs> but he understands consent. And as I now say, he's the first person in this entire fucking series. Oh my God. Yeah. That it even occurs to him. <laughs> yeah. He's like the power dynamic is just, I can't, yeah. you know, is yeah, just I can't, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I, even if she says it's she amazing. wants to, I can't, you know, it's taking yeah, advantage it's of my too, position. Yeah, it's too much of a power imbalance. Yeah. And that's way more self-awareness than probably any of the men have yeah. in the modern Zweed Valley books. Every, literally all of them. Yeah. Hi, I'm Marcus O'Lara. And I'm Taz Kelleher. And together we've made a podcast for people who say they don't have time to listen to podcasts. It's called In the Shower with Taz and Marcus because you're supposed to listen to it when you're in the shower. 
Listeners send in questions that they've always wondered the answer to, but never quite went as far as typing into Google what that mythical question's answer is. Have you ever wondered how much wood a woodchuck would chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Why do we never see baby pigeons? And loads more. We answer these questions. We expand your mind while you wash your behind. So subscribe now and make sure you tell all your friends. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and they come out on Monday morning at 6am, no later, just in time for your Monday morning shower. And in the meantime, keep keep scrubbing. So the the bocage just throw a ball. Mark's like, okay, I need to distract myself. Get my mind off her. Yeah, let's have a ball. I'll find some other fancy lady. Yeah. (laughs) And it'll be fine. And there's an amazing bit when Celeste is outside gazing in the window Uh, and thinks, why was it her lot to be on the outside? (laughs) Look at it! Day after day, she's oh feeling kind of lonely. I'm pretty sure I squealed when I read that. I did that. too. <laughs> like fucking yes! <laughs> so Mark sees her and runs after her and they exchange a passionate kiss. Oh my God. So, it's so racy. So they keep meeting up and eventually he proposes because he's like, he's doing, doing the decent thing. He is, he is, yeah. But she's, she says no. No, yeah, she's like, I can't, your family will disown you. And she's like, I can't let you do that. Yep, and she confesses to Solange and says, like, he'll ruin his life if he does this. Yeah. So I just can't do it to him. But he, because he's really sound, he tells his parents. He's just like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, here's do, what's happening. Do what you will. <laughs> yeah. And he's he's ready to lose it all. But Lily won't, or not Lily, uh, Celeste won't let him. And she runs away. Oh, my God. But who does she? Oh, yeah, but also his parents, when they find out that that's what he wants to do, I think yeah. her mother confronts Celeste and she's like you sneaky little bitch and kicks her out so Celeste is like no and runs way all sad but luckily she bumps into George that's Andy and he and she mentions that he was that she was adopted that was quite contrived and he's like what who was your biological mother mother? oh my god do you know her name your mother's name where she came from what she looks like (laughs) and luckily she has a locket oh my god with a little portrait in it and who is it oh my god it's her it's really (laughs) And I have to say, I know we're laughing about it, but when I was reading this, I got way more emotionally invested than oh, I thought so I would. Oh, so did I. And George's oh like, God. it's you. It's I found you. It's like, it's her. And then I'm like, oh my God, he found her. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was incredibly invested in this book. I was really day. excited. Yeah. I was like, this book is so good. I hoarsely and I'm just like, oh, oh I'm so glad you found her. <laughs> and of course now she's rich. Yeah, because she's the rightful heir to Winterthorne. Yeah, and he has all the deeds, so it's all a ship, shape and legal. Amazing. So he's determined, George is determined to get her and Mark back together. Yay. And of course, now his parents don't mind, so they get married. Yeah, but also, like, the parents are just like, oh, yeah, we're cool now. And I'm like, she should just be like, no, fuck you guys. Yeah, this is going to be very awkward. <laughs> I'm not coming to your family house. Dynamic. You're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas on your own this year. Yeah, see ya. Um, and George proposes to Solange. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Which is very nice. It is. So then we jump nearly 60 years. It's quite the jump, actually. Yeah. yeah. To the birth of Celeste and Mark's granddaughter. That's right. So baby, it's baby Rose. Yeah. yeah. So we've skipped that generation between because they're boring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rose is not boring, though. No. She's one of the best. <laughs> she is. She's kind of amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they just all talk about how great Rose is. And, and a great Celeste is still beautiful, even though she's like 80. Oh, she's super old, but she is hot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry. Of course she is. So we cut to the 1880s and George is best mates with, or sorry, Rose is best yes. mates with George's grandson, Pierre uh-huh. Wazlou. Okay. Yeah, they're like childhood buddies and they spend yeah. their summers 
in around the I guess it's Winterthorn yeah because yeah because George's family is new oh, estate is just yeah, next yeah, to it now. yeah so they hang out every summer and they're kind of pals since they were little kids yeah and then uh, and he's clearly in love with her yeah. um, and they're both going off to boarding school and they write to her and she's all feminist she is because her friends are all like oh you like him Ooh. and she's like no he's my friend yeah. calm down and <laughs> also I want votes for women it's like you've been waiting a long time for that Rose because yeah. women in France don't get it till 1944 was it that late yes holy shit it was after the liberation oh damn like uh, yeah oh my god it's, it's crazy isn't it but <laughs> fuck but it's true oh she had quite the weight in store yeah <laughs> I don't know if she's even alive at that she's stage I don't think she is yeah. um, so uh, yeah they're they're still they're still close they keep writing to each other and when Pierre comes home for the holidays um, Rose is glad to see him because they can talk about proper things and one of those proper things is believe it or believe it not <laughs> Because I was pretty shocked by it. It's like, I could talk about serious things with you. Politics and literature. What do you think about all the modern poets? About socialism. Ooh. About women's rights and suffrage. What? That's literally the one and only time the word socialism is going to be mentioned in a super high book. Tell you that much. Very true. It really is. It's only a more interesting conversation than most of the ones these... Very true. Yeah, yeah. ...ads descendants will have. Yeah. Yeah, Rose is like a real scrappy tomboy and she's... Yeah. She's, still, she's quite cool, yeah. She is cool. And Pierre is even more in love with her than ever. And he almost kisses her. But she's like, she just says, oh, I'm never going to marry because I'll lose my freedom. Yeah. And then... She yeah, she's no interest in settling down. She's like, no. nope, no one's going to fucking tie me down. <laughs> but then she he goes off and she realises she, she kind of wants him to kiss her goodbye. There's a kind of annoying thing in the cigarettes like, feminists talk the talk, but they don't want to yeah. walk the walk. No. Like she says, she wants to be all liberated, but what she wants is I'm a good man. I don't know why an old time gangster is coming in here. <laughs> Preemptive old time against her. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so it's a few years later and Rose is living it up in Paris. Yeah. She's knocking around Paris. She's dressed like a boy. Going to the lectures at the she's Sorbonne. having tremendous fun. Smoking cigars. She's wearing knickerbockers. She is. Pretty scandalous. Yeah. But she's hanging with a dangerous crowd. Ooh. Oh my God. And this gets even more racy. So she's, one of the boys she's hanging around with is, is called Leo Riviere. Mm. And we are told that he has had lots of Intimate relationships. Oh my god! With women. What? And she's all like, "If I take a lover, so what?" Ooh, it's getting very French. Oh my god! Um, so French. Oh. <laughs> Ooh la la! <laughs> and Pierre is, like the reader, shocked. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of being protective of her, and he's like, "But just be careful, mind yourself." She's Ugh. like, "Yeah, whatever, I'm grand." Yeah. And a while later. She she turns up at his doorstep in tears. Yeah, because like she, she's immediately like, no, it's fine. If I get my heart broken, whatever. And then yeah. immediately cut to, oh, he broke my heart. It turns out Leo was seeing two people behind her back. And yeah. there's an amazing bit where she says, don't worry, I'm not pregnant. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Which suggests that she could have been, you know, yeah. it's, it's within the bounds of possibility mm-hmm. that there's a reason why she might have been worried she was. Yeah. But, you know, she isn't. Um... So all the Leo breakup, has, the Leo relationship has shown her, she don't, doesn't need no man. No. Yeah, what I've learned from Leo, what I've learned from Leo isn't that I need a nicer man, but I don't need a man at all. Oh, Jesus. Okay, <laughs> fine. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, well, actually, it's, it's good to see somebody in these books saying it, but it's sort of the way it's presented it's, as being like, yeah. it's not like, I'm just happy with myself. No, it's, it, yeah. But um, sometime later, Pierre and one of his pals go to a rowdy cabaret where they see Rose <gasps> and she's in quite a spectacular outfit. She is. Can you say? Well, we, I suppose we have to say what her general outfit is. 
Yeah, well, yeah, because they think they see a man standing in the middle of a group. Mm. Um, Holding forth, gesturing, everybody. gesturing with his cigar. The others, are, the others are doubled over, howling with laughter. That fellow must be telling a top-notch joke. But then the fellow turns around, revealing a large... Oh, yeah, they remove their hat, re- revealing a large knot of lustrous auburn hair. <gasps> it was the strikingly beautiful and feminine profile of Rose. Of course. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she's living the dream, basically. She tells him she's never had so many suitors. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's kind of brilliant. She's like, it's great, wearing pants is the way to go. Yeah, <laughs> and I look really hot. Yeah. So, win-win. Mm-hmm. So, good on you, Rose. And she's like, oh, okay, well, obviously we've changed and uh, we've grown apart. She's like, but you're the only person who really knows me. Um, So they're about to graduate college and she's like, well, I'm going to keep on living la vie bohème. (laughs) But he's going into his dad's business. Yeah, and he has kind of hinted previously that, you know, why, what about settling down? And, yeah. you know, what about being in love with someone? And he's kind of obviously like, come on, let's, let's hook mm-hmm. up already. Yeah. <laughs> but she's just having none of it. No, she's I like, want my no, freedom. No yeah. And then he sort of stomps off and he's like, well, fine, but I'm not going to wait forever. And she kind of has dicked him around a little bit she because has. she has known that he fancies she, her. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. But she's she sort knows. of like, but you're the only person who knows me. Yeah. Mm. You can't just kind of keep him hanging around like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a few years later and Pierre and Rose, they haven't really seen each other very recently and um, or very often. And she is invited home for a big party. Her mm. parents are throwing. This is also weird. They're throwing <laughs> the party for the Waslure parents yes. who have big news. Why aren't the Waslures throwing the party? In their own house. Yeah, yeah. it's weird. Especially as what is the reason for this party? <gasps> oh my God, Pierre's engaged. Yes, he turns up with his fiance. Christiane. And then there's a bit that is heartbreaking, but also is a slightly dodgy thing about, you know, the message about feminism. Yes. She's at the wedding. She's in agony and it Aww. should have been her. And it's actually genuinely quite poignant. Yeah. But then she's yeah, like, she's like, I never realised I was in love with him. And deep down, I know I said I didn't want to get married, but deep down I did. Oh, and I no. did want to marry her <laughs> and now it's, or him. And now it's too late. Oh, but, so that's quite bad. Yeah. Um, But a few years later. She's a journalist. Yeah. She's writing a novel. Mm. And she's got a new man in her life. That's it. She's kind of... And he's cool. She's doing pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And he's genuinely cool. He is. No, he's nice. He's he's an American, isn't he? He is an American. Robert Eastman. Mm-hmm. And they met at a political meeting. So yeah. he's into politics like her. Yeah. And... He's cool. Yeah. And she's like, okay, it's not the same as Pierre, but he's really nice and, and he like he believes in her work and supports her and he's like yes it's amazing your novel is deadly like yeah. this is great and like yeah. she does fancy him there's no question oh, does, that it's yeah. just you know he's like some randomer who she's just marking yeah, yeah, time yeah. with but then she goes for a walk well, she said no her book comes out she celebrates uh, the publication of the book with Robert and he proposes but she's like oh look I don't know if I can say yes Yeah. and then she goes out for a walk where she meets Pierre and his family <gasps> and they make small talk but then she actually realised because he's got kids and she's well, like not just kids he's got twins. Oh! <laughs> so he does. He's got two little blonde sons who are twins because there has to be blonde twins in here somewhere. Oh even Wakefield's wanting to be here but in spirit there. Yeah of course Lila will be related to blonde twins. <laughs> yeah. God I can't believe I didn't notice that. Yeah. <laughs> so the sight of these blonde twins actually Rose has a really sensible realisation she's like yeah, okay, that's his life. Yeah, I have mine. My life's pretty good. He's moved on. I'm happy as well. Yeah. Maybe the, I should marry this guy because I, I actually do love him. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's sort of like, well, yeah, sometimes you're sort of fixated on something you thought was going to happen, yeah, but actually what you have is pretty good. That's it, yeah. Which yeah. is very, very sensible advice. That's nice, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because she's all excited then to get home and see Robert. And it's like, well, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. And then it's five years later. Uh, she's just had a 
uh, baby, Isabel, her second book is just out. She and Robert are really happy and Yay. it's genuinely sweet. And as my notes say, all caps, how is Lila descended from such cool people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the bitchy aristocrats who are like, yes, that yeah. all checks out. And suddenly it's like, this is unraveling, you guys. Okay, so one of these like lefty journalists. <laughs> yeah, none of this checks out. <laughs> so... Uh, we now cut to summer 1914. Mm-hmm. Mm, what could possibly happen that summer? Well, I'm sure it's going to be very boring everywhere around the world. No, nothing dramatic is happening. Nothing it's all, at all. It's all fine. And uh, Isabel Eastwood is getting ready for her first dance. Oh. And Rose is just like, eh, okay, guess we're different. Uh, whatever. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and at the dance, she uh, dance she dances with the handsome. Now, when he was American, I was thinking Charles Dorish, but now I'm seeing it in French. It's probably Doray. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. we're still in France. So yeah, yeah these are two French lads. Um, yeah. So she dances with him and he's into her, but she's more intrigued by his friend whose name just happens to be Jacques, Jacques Wazelier. The beautiful lesbian from the cover. <laughs> Yay. That's him or her. That would be a um, better story. <laughs> oh my God, that would be such a good story. Isn't it? Yes. Fucking hell. Oh, why did we get that? <laughs> now I'm just annoyed. <laughs> so she's so obsessed with them that the next day she bunks off school and goes to the local barracks. Yeah, it's quite ballsy. Like yeah. She just goes to the barracks and she's like, yeah, I'm here to see my brother. And they're like, okay, okay. off you go. And then Char- she sees Charles, so she runs off into the stables. Yeah. And there she meets Jack. Ooh. And she asks him out. She's very daring. She is, in fairness, yeah. And he's like, oh, I thought you were Charles for an item. And, he's like, and she's like, no way. So yeah, I think Charles fancied her, but she was just like, no, Jack, these, this is the dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they go for a walk, as my notes say, because apparently the French army in 1914 is very liberal about free time. You oh, can yeah. just stroll right just out. Go of for there. a wander, it's fine. Stroll in, <laughs> stroll out. So it's two weeks later. She's in love. Aww. And she talks to her, her mom about it, and her mom says that she was once close to. It's like a second cousin of Jacques. So. Oh yeah, we're straying. We're within the family tree of the it's clearly a descendant, but we're kind yeah. of yeah, we're wandering off a little bit from the main. Uh, yeah, not a direct descent from Pierre, but no. yeah, it's still but the he's, same. He's, he's a wazaleur, all the same. Yeah, he's a descendant yeah. of George. Yes, which is yeah, yeah. Rockouts. Um, so she's like, look, I, okay, it's a really nice family, but, you know, war might break out any second, then he might yeah. be going off. Yeah, her mom is like, you know, be careful, he might have to go and they yeah. won't see him and, you know. Yeah. But she's like, but I'm in love. I don't care. <laughs> and that's, yeah. And then work does break out and she rushes to the barracks. Aww. And she meets Charles and he's apparently okay with her and Jacques now. There was a bit of awkwardness when he was grand. Yeah, no, they're all or buddies. Is like, he? Well. Mm. <laughs> so... Yeah, they'll be off to the front soon. So she goes to the stables and cries because there's no security in this nope. army. <laughs> no one's on watch. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and Jacques finds her and uh, she says she wants them to get married before he goes away. Oh. And he's off to Verdun the next day. Uh-oh. Oh, no. You know, anybody with... In the future, might know that that yeah. word does not bode well it's for not the French. Good. <laughs> and uh, it turns out the army chaplain has agreed to marry them. What unprofessional army chaplain is this? She's underage. Oh. I don't mean she's not underage, like age consent wise, but because uh, France doesn't have one. But she's <laughs> underage in terms of not being a, le- you know, yeah. you need your parents' consent to get Surely, married. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But yeah, he's also been knocking out the marriages all evening by the sounds of yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like, yeah, next one. <laughs> He's all like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. here's another runaway bride. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, they get married in secret and it's just Charles, I think, is like their witness and that's it. Yeah, her parents don't know. No. So she's nursing in some local hospital, but she wants to be in a proper field hospital, like yeah. close to the action. And 
Charles, I see Charles is also a bit of a doormat because he, he's writing to her, but it's all like, I know you want to hear about Jack, so here's all the... <laughs> like, earn her respect, Charles. Uh, yeah, he's literally writing to her just saying, so Jack is doing really well. Yeah. He's like, okay. <laughs> Not the way to make her fancy you. Just yeah. be like, yeah, cool, here's some, you know, how are yeah. you doing? Yeah, yeah. Let's have a, you know, French of our own. Um, so... Isabel insists on going to nurse at the front mm. and off she goes. Where does she go? Does she go to? She goes to Rams. Oh, yeah. Um, In Belgium. Is it Belgium? Guess it is. And there she meets Charles and he tells her that Jacques <gasps> is dead. No! It's so... It's, it's, and she's Aww. devastated. Yeah, he was... Um, was it Charles saw him getting hit by a shell? So it's Yeah, like, or a shell sort of exploded, exploded right next to right him. by him, yeah. And she's like, is there any way that he could have survived? And Charles like, no, 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 no. He's done, dead, 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 dead. Charles is... He's kind of limping. He's on crutches. So he's been injured from the explosion. But yeah, he's like... No, Jack is dead. And Ro- so obviously she's devastated. Yeah. And Rose tells her, look, you will be happy again. Like, I didn't think I'd be happy again, uh, you know, at one stage of my life. But then I met your dad and I'm even happier. So yeah. then Charles proposes like the, yeah. he just well, slides right in there. D- <laughs> Sliding into those DMs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, some time has passed, I suppose, in fairness. And it's kind of when the war is over. No. No. Because they're married by the time the war is over. Uh, oh, shit, the time I thought they got over. married after it was over. Nope. Okay. She's married. By the time it cuts to 1918, they're already married. Oh, damn. Yeah. Because she's out in the garden. They have got married and she's in the garden of their house and a returning soldier limps down the road. And who could it be? Oh, no. Jacques. Oui. And he was in a POW camp for like two years. Oh, no. The war office did say he was dead, didn't they? Oh, yeah. I think they did officially get told. But though it's kind of vague about that. Mm, It is a bit. It's a little bit murky. And then Charles is kind of a dick. He comes out and instead of saying anything, he just wraps his arm around his belly. Yeah. Would you not be like, oh my God, you're alive. Holy shit. Like, it's a whole surprise reunion. I know. But instead, yeah, he's kind of a dick. And straight away, he's like, well, she's my wife. (laughs) Yeah. like, all right. No, (laughs) no, you both betrayed me. And he stamps off wishing he was dead. Yeah. And then Very the next dramatic. day, Charles the, does the bare fucking minimum <laughs> and offers to go and find Jacques yeah. because even though he knows and she more or less tells him that uh, if she has a chance to get back with yeah. Jacques, she'll like, do it. She clearly is like still loves Jacques and never really got over him dying at all. Like Also, she points out she and Charles aren't really married now because she like their marriage is bigamous. Oh shit, yeah. Because she's kind le- of she was with legally- these guys, isn't it? <laughs> the old bigamous marriages. <laughs> yes, secret mar- secret marriages secret are just marriages. not a good idea. That's Don't what we're do doing. It. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, which sort of implies as well that the marriage with Jacques was consummated. Ooh. <laughs> there you go. She's like, so we're not really married because obviously she and him. Oh yeah. We're. Uh, oh my god. Doing the deed. <laughs> so in the stables. Yeah. Ooh. Rolling the yeah. hay. Oh. Well played. Jingle bell for that one. <laughs> Thank you. So got the jingle bells from last episode. So he he does, Charles does go to look for Jack, but Jack has vanished. No. It turns out he's just gone off to America. He stormed off all the way to America. And Isabel, you know, they're, they're, Isabel's really miserable. And yeah. after a while, now they don't know he's gone to, Jack has gone to America, by the no. way. He's just disappeared and they're just like, he's gone. We yeah. don't know where he is. But yeah, Isabel's miserable. She hates her house. Mm. She's just like, I fucking hate all of this. I can't. <laughs> th- everything reminds me of Charles or of Jack. <laughs> like, we we gotta go. Yeah, and Charles suggests a fresh start. Yeah. America. Ooh. And then it goes to 1924. And where are we? We're in Sweet Valley! Yeah, we are! <laughs> it took a while to get here, didn't it? Much longer than the others. Like, yeah. The Wakefield's like, the original Alice was like on that boat from Sweden she and then she over, was straight yeah. over there. 
Yeah. yeah. They were on the boat. Like they were in America anyway. Yeah. I think that's why this book is more exciting. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more drama elsewhere. Very true. Um, so of course, Isabel and Charles are really happy there. And Isabel says, I live in paradise. Of course she fucking does. <laughs> oh my God. Does anyone, can anyone just think, it's fine. No. No, you have to be obsessed with your town. <laughs> it turns out they're doing really well. Charles is the mayor. Yeah. How does a French blow-in become the mayor of an American town? Come on. They've been there for like five years. Well, this is unlikely. There is bad continuity because we're told that Sweet Valley was founded in 1860 and didn't we not have like 10 books about their freaking centennial? Oh my God, yeah. Which clearly was the 80s. Yeah. So, um, also, I mean... It should have come up before, I guess. But you know the way one of the main uh, tropes in the regular Sweet Valley books is that Bruce is from his old money in the yeah. canning factory and Lila's family are yeah. upstarts. They're Lila... like nouveau riche, but yeah. it's like... Mm. Her granddad was a mayor. Yeah. She's literally descended from French royal aristocrats, aristocrats yeah. on <laughs> yeah. several branches yeah. of French aristocracy. Like, yeah. yeah. Like... How the fuck is she? She's way part of the roost. She actually is. Unless the Patman's Sweet Factory. <laughs> <laughs> Unless the Patman's Sweet Valley book reveals he's descended from actual royalty. A king. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Oh my maybe. God, maybe it does. Maybe it does. We, we don't know. <laughs> we need to get it. Let's do that for our next one. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, the Patmans aren't even mentioned here, even though supposedly, like, the Patmans and Fowlers have hated each other for ages. Yeah. They're irrelevant because no. there was another feud. There sure is. And uh, the feud is going to start because a cowboy-esque stranger has Ooh, just turned up in town. That's right. Isabel is wandering through the main street of Sweet Valley and she sees a fancy cowboy. She's <gasps> like, oh, look at him there. Isn't he great? Oh my God. I know that face. Oh, it's Jacques. Oh, oh la la. <laughs> C'est Jacques, was it? Oh, right. And there's an amazing bit where a ginger woman starts gossiping about him. And of course, it's Evelyn, Evelyn Pierce. Pierce. <laughs> Town gossip. Is it like a hereditary it's title? Hereditary. Yes. It's like this. Now the, the crowd of town gossip has passed down. The golden telephone is yours, my dear. <laughs> Princess stuff. Yes. Passed down from generations. Uh, and she reveals that the stranger is... Is Jack, Jack Fowler. Fowler. There we go. He's anglicised that name. And uh, he's an utter vagabond. Oh, no. And he's bought a ranch. And Isabel still loves him. So it turns out that Charles knew about Jack Fowler and he's tried to make peace, but he was rebuffed. Oh, no. And uh, now is he's seen that Isabel clearly cares for Jack. Yeah. So he feels his soul and anger harden into hatred. Oh, no. A feud is born. Oh, shit. And Isabel goes up to the ranch and begs forgiveness and ja- uh, Jack Jack's, is like... He's just having none of it. No. And he has his, his new lady who is the daughter of his ranch hand. Yeah. So which means her name's Anita and she's got brown skin. I know. Which means Lila's great grandma is Mexican. Yeah. Which is pretty cool but um, that's never going to be mentioned because no. Lila's a massive racist. Well, that's true. So... <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. So uh, by the time we get to the 50s, the uh, there's Grace, Doris, Charles and Isabel's granddaughter has been born and they're, you know, the family are really rich and powerful. Yeah, but this feud has been baking away the whole time. So the two families hate each other. Yeah. And Charles recently blocked a zoning change that would have allowed Jack to sell his land for a fortune. Yeah. And Jack and Anita's ranch has, they've just had like floods and blight. Oh, they had and a really bad couple of years. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're doing really badly. So, um, you know, this feud goes on for years and George, young George Fowler has turned up now and he's he's ashamed of his his family because he knows that they are sort of seen as the rough and tumble outcasts. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're the, the poor guys out in the bad ranch that's doing nothing. Yes. And then cut to the 70s. 
He's working hard in his computer business. He sure is. He went to an Ivy League school, don't you know? Ooh, he's worked his way up. And he's got, uh, he knows computers are the future. And then he goes to a beach. Oh, could let off some steam and he sees this nice girl in some white cutoffs and he's like, oh, hey. And there's only one thing he can say to ask her for a date. <sighs> I, I swear to God, when I read this alone, I shrieked. Oh, man. And I warned Karen in advance <laughs> that it was coming. But bear in mind, we are not making this up. No. This is how he asks her out. Yeah. Do I, would you want to say it, Karen? Uh, okay. <laughs> so he gets chatting to this girl, Grace, and he's like, yeah, let's go out on a date. Do you know the clam bar at Marble Heights? <laughs> For fuck's sake. A clam bar! How dare they? <laughs> oh my God. And then they go and they discover each other's identities and they uh, order oh. a big basket of fried clams. I think I wrote down, I hope you get food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> So it turns out Grace is already engaged. She's a bit younger Ooh. than him as well. Yeah, but she's been kind of backed into this whole engagement with some fancy guy Everett called Everett Garrison, Garrison third, the third. Wasp yeah. his name ever. Oh, totally. And uh, she's a, she's scared to tell her parents she's dumping him for a fowler. Ooh. And th- But then her parents find him sno- find her snogging him in the cabana. Ooh. Very racy. <laughs> and they throw a fish. Yeah. And they tell her she has to marry she Everett. She has to she marry this guy. Yeah, it's really weird. It's very weird. This is like the 70s. She doesn't get a choice at all. And it's like, okay, this is kind of weird, you guys. Also, she's only about 19. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, they're forcing her into this engagement. Yeah. And she's like, oh, man. And they have an engagement party. But at the party, Isabel says, the only way you'll be happy is if you marry the one you love. Uh, she knows. She's speaking from experience. Yeah. So she, uh, George just turns up by coincidence and proposes to her. Yeah, and she's like, all right, cool, let's go. Yep. <laughs> and uh, the next day, Fowler Computers do a hostile takeover Ooh. of Dore ma- Manufacturing. Oh, Jesus. And have t- basically taken control of their company. And Grace has run off to get married. Fuck, so yeah, the feud has been properly deepened at this stage. Yeah. yeah. And it even takes place, it continues to 1973 when... Oh, Baby Lila is born. Yay! Yep, she is. <laughs> and Isabel turns up at the hospital to meet her and Jack turns up too. And Aww. they're both widowed and there's a bit of a hint they're going to be... There kind of is. They sort of bury the hatchet and they're like, you know what? Plenty of time has passed. Yeah. Like, and they're kind of they're, they're kind of friends again, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. So Lila is two and he, George is working cut to 1975, the year I was born. <laughs> Little did I know this drama was taking place. <laughs> um, so George keeps going on business trips. Grace is really lonely. Aww. So she starts seeing her parents. Yeah. Taking George or Lila to see them. Yeah. But George is not happy. No, he's really psychotic about He is it, really. abusive like, about it's it. It's bad. Yeah, he's like, what do you mean you took her to see your mother? And it's like, come on, dude, they're her parents. Yeah, she's like, nope, or your grandparents. And then they get a call saying that Isabel has had a stroke. And George literally is like, well, she had a good long life. Fucking hell. He, like, he bans Grace from going to see her dying grandmother. It's yes. like, it's grim. And it's all like, oh, he's still scared of losing Grace because her family are so rich. Like, boo fucking who, George? Oh, Grow come up. on, dude, yeah. So after Isabel dies, Grace is like, fuck this, I'm going to my parents' house. Yeah. And she takes Lila to her parents' house and then George insists on getting her back and charges her with kidnapping. Oh my God, it's so bad. He's a psychopath. Oh, he's appalling. And he says, yeah, you can come back, um, but only on my terms. And your terms, My terms is that you never see your family Jesus, again. Jesus, yeah. And then he goes to court and he wins. He gets full custody of Lila. It's bonkers. And Grace has to flee to Paris. Yeah, she just bails. And it's like, well, damn, I don't blame you, like. <laughs> yeah. And then we cut, finally, to the modern day. And Lila is still recovering from her attack by John Pfeiffer. Boo. This is why we boo him all the time, boo. by the way. <laughs> yeah. And George is helpless. And he decides, oh, she needs a mother. It's like, you think? Oh, fuck's sake. So he feels guilty, but not as guilty as he should. 
and he calls Grace and she arrives with her uh, in Paris uh, with her hilariously trashy boyfriend. Oh my God. Okay, can I just quickly say, yeah, he's Go a tall on. slender man wearing a flashy European suit. His long hair was pulled back in a wispy ponytail oh! and one ear was pierced. It's like, is she dating Stephen Seagal? <laughs> is that what's happening here? <laughs> So look, she's she's been embarrassed by it, but well, she might be. Yeah, well, you would be. <laughs> and George and Grace get on very well because she is very forgiving because yeah, he's terrible. She's and, way too forgiving. Yeah. And Lila, of course, throws a party for her. Of course. Because that's what she does. And Lila doesn't want Grace to leave and it's like, basically, like, you coming here has cured me of my post-traumatic stress disorder. But maybe I'll have a relapse. Oh, Jesus. And Grace is now staying at Fowler Crest because Pierre is staying in a hotel somewhere. He's gone back to Beverly Hills. Oh, he, yeah. I don't think he likes Sweet Valley very much. <gasps> well, you know he's terrible. <laughs> There's no way he's sticking around. Yeah. <laughs> but Grace says, oh, look, I have to return to my job as president of a multi-million dollar stationery company. Amazing. <gasps> Good Wish for you, we could Grace. see the stationery. Good for you. Um, but Grace, Lila wants her parents to get back together because she could see they're still in love. Yeah. And Grace uh, is one night, she's she's torn, she's worried about Lila. She gazes at the rose bush planted mm. from a cutting supposedly taken by Isabel from Celeste's garden. Ooh. Like they could have seeded that in a bit earlier. Oh so yeah, so, completely. You know. They kind of just land this on us at the end and it's like, oh, yeah. and also there's been this rose bush the whole time you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like, all their ancestors are there in spirit. Oh. And then, this is so terrible, George <laughs> apologises and basically blames his appalling behaviour, like, which is really seriously, really, it's really, really appalling. Yeah. Uh, on being quote insecure about my humble roots fuck off and that's good enough for Grace Jesus Christ but that's and it they, they yeah two weeks later they get married together they get remarried and everyone's happy it's ridiculous the end oh man a ridiculous ending Whew. but an amazing book a whirlwind <laughs> so, so good we are running out of time in the studio but do we have time for some stats and outfits so very quickly we didn't really have much in the way of outfits but the eye colour kind of came up because some of the girls have lavender eyes <gasps> Lily and Rose both had lavender eyes which got seven mentions oh very and good and then Celeste, Isabel and Lila all have these piercing green eyes Ooh. which got ten mentions ah so that's pretty good that's how we got there yeah and were there any outfits Um, there was an interesting I think really it's <laughs> was it a Grace because it's in the 70s she wears oh. a batik t-shirt with bell bottoms very that's of its time that's kind of the most exciting outfit yeah. I think that we get yeah yeah sadly and, and I suppose Rose's suit but it's well, not well that's true yeah. yeah but everything else is kind of vague because it's like beautiful Georgian gowns and it's like well, yeah. that actually sounds really cool so yeah. it does yeah <laughs> we can, yeah it's not really like Lila's trashy jumpsuits not so much no no well, we hope you enjoyed that whirlwind. Yeah. It really was quite a ride. It was great. Um, and we will be back in two weeks with a regular old episode. Yeah, we'll be back with uh, ooh, the new Jessica. Which is a classic. That's so you be won't great. be, it yeah. won't be a letdown after no, this. No, no, <laughs> it'll be good. So if you have any thoughts on the Fowlers, on the sagas, on what saga we should do next, we can get our hands on it. Yeah. Because we know there's another Wakefield we haven't done. That's it, yeah, get in touch. Yeah, at uh, Twitter at SVH Podcast. Yeah, you can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And we are proud members of the Headstuff Podcast Network. And you can follow the network, the network at HS Pod Network. And rate and review us wherever you wherever you, wherever you, you find your, your podcasts. podcasts. Yeah, brilliant. Think what would Lila do? <laughs> Lila would, would, you know, give us some some instead of stars, she'd probably give us diamonds, but you know, you know what to do. <laughs> share share the love. Share the love, that's it. And we'll be back in two weeks we to will. find out what happens when Jessica becomes the new, the new Jessica. Jessica. See you then, everybody. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. 
Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com. We are professional grade.